Hoody ho! Hey everybody! Welcome to episode 53 and season 2. Okay guys, we're here with a very, very special guest, which she's not going to like that I'm saying this, but I, um, when I first started this, I started interviewing some of my friends and so on and people I actually knew and obviously later down the road I found a lot of people I didn't. Um, but this woman I absolutely have known uh, for probably since it's even before I had her in fourth grade because she knew me in certain uh, there was like activities after school and she kind of got acquainted with my mom and stuff. Um, but you know she's a person I love to death because I could not have done half things I did in school without her. Um, and uh, and one of the things I've said previously is I also wanted to focus on more than just uh, the people with disabilities, because I think parents, caregivers, and obviously in her case, a teacher, uh, and a vision itinerant, a lot of the things that she did are just as important. Um, so, yes, um, why don't you tell us who you are, and uh, I don't know, a little about yourself. Um, my name is Lois Robbins, and I was TJ's teacher for many years, and now I'm very proud to say um his friend and hopefully he's mine and um i taught children with vision problems in the school district for 32 years of philadelphia and then i went on to become a social worker at uh chop the children's hospital of philadelphia in the pediatric stroke program then for a very short time i was a hospice social worker because my mother was on hospice and then I went back to my love of teaching, and I actually think I retired tomorrow. Yes, yesterday. Well, there is there is a slim chance I might go back to the school to help some um, of the little kids who have some special issues. Right, and I, uh, I did that with you. I think twice. Um, you were taking care of some of the kids. You were, what was it? One of those, uh, like daycare, right? Is that, is that what you were talking about? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So the, yeah, this, this, this is a day, sort of a daycare situation. They were three-year-olds. Right. Um, um, yeah. yeah, of course. Uh, so obviously probably start from the beginning. What, what actually made you get into teaching? I didn't know there was, this, there was another job. My mother was a teacher in Philadelphia. My aunt was a teacher for Philadelphia. Another aunt was a counselor in Philadelphia public schools. And my uncle was a principal in Philadelphia schools. So I grew up thinking that's what you did when you grew up. And I'm very, very blessed because that's what I wanted to be. And that's what I became. Um, So I grew up for a little bit of time right outside of Philly. Um, my father passed away when I was an infant. My mom remarried and we had to live in the city. So we moved when I was in sixth grade and I went to city school. Not the best student because I didn't particularly like school, although don't tell TJ I said that. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, basically, we, you know, we didn't have that much money. Everybody, unless you were really bright, we went to Temple. Um, which back then was sort of like the equivalent of um, community college because uh, it was the cheapest place. And, um, you know, went there. 
got an education degree, also got a degree in early childhood because I knew I liked the little ones. And I also knew pretty early that I didn't want um, to teach children that were, quote, regular in a regular class. They just didn't seem all that interesting to me. Um, and later I learned it was a good thing because when I used to have to sub when, when we were at Overbrook Educational Center for, quote, a regular class, and 33 kids taking out a box of crowns was just way too loud for me. Okay. And so, so when I was at Temple, I decided to go um, get a degree in special education. All growing up, my best friend had polio, which is right now um, a, a disease that you don't really see that much of at all in developed countries. I think maybe in um, developing countries it's occasional, but there's a vaccine right, that yeah. Everybody here gets when they're little, so you don't really see it. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, you know, she was bright. She was fine. So I thought, okay, that might be just a little bit more interesting. So I applied for phys- – she was physically impaired, so I applied for that and thought, okay, that sounds interesting. And um, literally the day before school starts, I get a call from Temple, and they say, well, we don't really have a program for physically handicapped back then. You know, the nomenclature changes constantly. And even though they advertised it, and they said, how about visually impaired? And I quote, that's like the same thing. <laughs> so, again, nice. it was that day, day before I said, okay, what did I know? And um, that's how I got started. And I was with the, pro- the same program for my entire career in Philadelphia, just doing different things. Right. <clears throat> um, yeah, I remember when I first met you, it was some sort of after school thing. I don't know what it was, but uh, you always seemed really nice. And I was like, oh, I hope I get her one day. And, and I think uh, it was like two years later, I got you. Um, and, and, and which is the irony, because at the in second grade, I had a or was it second or third might have been third. Yeah, it was third because I had Miss Frost for second grade. Third grade, I had a teacher who was to- almost totally blind. And she wasn't as loving. She didn't, you know, she didn't seem to understand as much as you did. Um, you know, she was an okay person, but yeah, I don't, I don't know what her issues were, but, um, but when I got you, I was just like, okay, this is going to be fun. And then, you know, it was a a whole bunch of different characters in that class. Uh, (laughs) and some of them you did interview. Yes, absolutely. Sophia. Yeah. Um, but she was, she was probably one of the least amount of characters in that class because she was still kind of, figuring out who she was as a person and you know right um but you know yeah you had so many great people I mean again it was a really fun class it wasn't just like this belligerent class I mean you know again we had characters um right and we all pretty much got along and I remember you doing like story time and everything and we just we just had a good time um but one of my like fondest moments of that class is where I knew you actually cared about us and and me specifically is that we, we had a, uh, I might have said this to you before, but we had a, a math test. I don't remember what kind of, you know, I don't know, multiplication. I don't know what it was. Um, you know, it's fourth grade, so who knows. And uh, I gave you my paper, and you said you could do better. And redo these two, whatever it was, however many problems, you do them over. I was like, oh, okay, this isn't my grade. Okay, fine. And so I redid it, and you gave me an A++++. Um, 
And I was like, it's so funny. I have no clue. I no memory of it, but yeah. Right. And, and, but it was like, it, it, and again, and it like really invigorated me. And like, when I talk about like my past school years and I think about like where I was in eighth grade and seventh grade and sixth, like I didn't feel that inspired to do work. I didn't feel like I was that smart. And I just was like, screw it. I'm out of here. I mean, um, but when you did that for me, like you could have easily just given me whatever it would have been an 85 and 90, whatever it was, or, you know, a B plus or whatever you actually made me redo it because you knew I could do better. Um, and that's kind of made me know what kind of teacher you actually were. And you didn't even make it through the whole year. I remember that year you left at the very end. Yeah. But yeah, that's what really made me know what kind of teacher you were. Um, because you know, like I said, it did a lot for me just as a, you know, when you're a kid like that, you know, you don't really know, you don't think any of these people care about you. You don't think, uh, you just think there are teachers in your job. You know, it's that's and I call you T. That's our nickname, TJ. Right. Um, that really is so sad to me. Um, that because teachers should care, everybody should care about everybody else. But if you go into teaching, it's not for the money. It's not because it's an easy job. It should be because you really care and want to make a difference in children's lives. Absolutely. Yeah. You know that makes me pretty sad to hear you say that. One of the things I did love to do, which was a little offbeat, um, when we were at that school, it had been converted from something, other things. And yeah, right. I happened to have an outside phone. This was way before cell phones, an outside line in my in my in the room. Mm. And if I knew a parent could be disturbed during the day, when you when you guys did something outstanding, I would make you call your mom or dad and it always had to start with everything's fine. Mrs. Robbins just wanted you to know that, you know, whether you knew a word that I didn't think you would be able to know, or um, you got a good mark on a test or you wrote a great story. And I, I mean, you know, I always felt like parents here, especially parents of children with special needs, they hear so much negative stuff of what your child can't do so i'm going to make sure you know what your child can do right. and I, when the parents like first started that it was like oh my gosh i can't believe it you know because of course when you get a phone call from school it's rarely a good thing so i wanted them to experience yes your child is incredible and look what they can do right i, even, so I do remember that part i don't remember you know giving the test back and say i know you can do better but well, I don't know if you I remember, you also had yeah. my, uh, my sister's father and, and my cousin Anna right. come in and, and they, I don't know what it was. It was about Spanish culture, but I don't know exactly right. the reference. I don't know. It was Cinco de Mayo. I don't know what it was. You just had to come in and they told the story and it was just like a fun, you know, hour right. of the class. Um, but, uh, and I, mean, I guess, yeah. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. No, you're good. I guess that's something I always found interesting. Other cultures, um, other ways of, of looking at the world. And I think it's important for us as global citizens to learn about different cultures and learn about not everything is seen, and no pun intended, through our eyes. Right. That we need to know how other people view things. We need to know what their culture means to them. If one's not right, one's not wrong, you know, all great. Um, so I actually do remember, I can picture 
um, Lee and your mom and Nana sitting in the classroom and talking about it. Yeah. Uh, That's what I do. Yeah. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yep. No, and you were like, you yeah, you were pretty hands-on with what you did. I remember something just dawned on me. I haven't thought about it probably since then, but you used to have like a little saying or a quote or whatever, like, right. uh, uh, I don't know, like uh, money burns a hole in your pocket. And then you had us like do uh, like a little, uh, you know, a sentence or whatever. And then you would have us right. all read them, but then you knew some people didn't like, especially with me, I didn't like the motivation or the, the, the speaking in front of the class. So you knew you would just read it for me. Of course, my handwriting is crap, but you you, you but I could it. read it right. Yeah, and uh, yep. but again, stuff like that matters to kids. Like it, it especially you know, Ian. It's different when you're in high school and all that, but fourth grade and fifth grade and sixth grade and that like you're you're really it matters what you do, and you know to put an influence on a student and, and actually make them you know put them in the right direction. Because I mean, again, you you also knew there was a lot of teachers that were really shitty in that school and they weren't as nice especially the the non-vi teachers where they just were really you know nonchalant about what we were going through um right and and, what, and and there was like a reason that i did that um there was like a saying as you say of the day because i wanted to improve writing skills also kids because everybody was fast kids came in at different times so it's hard to start a, you know, quote, regular lesson. Plus, um, the, the children in the classes were at much different levels. So, you know, I was never expecting that child A was is going to do the same thing as child B, and that was fine. Um, and it, it also actually gives teachers a way to see what kids need help with. Like, do they not get, like, the word there, T-H-E-R-E versus T-H-E-I-R? Right. So it was a great like evaluation tool for me too, um, and I actually thought it was fun because some of the the sayings like were you know it's raining cats and dogs. What does that really mean? Right. Um, you know. So yeah, actually that was pretty fun for me too. Yeah, yeah that was fun. Um, and, and you know, as we said, like you you know you kind of left into that year. And I know I was kind of like sad because I was like, well, this was just such a fun class. And, and then the guy we got wasn't too bad, but I mean, it was just a different class. It wasn't anywhere near the same. Um, and then, you know, we go on to the next year and you actually have a whole different role now. Uh, but you're still in my life. I just didn't know you were, I just didn't know where you went because we weren't, you know, again, now we have each other's numbers and I can ask you what you're going through. But, you know, at that point, I just, didn't know if I'd ever see you again. So, um, but what, 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 what did you end up doing that next year? So there's different programs within the whole program is called the program for the visually impaired. So we, ha there were classrooms for children, K in kindergarten through grade eight. Um, and then there was basically no public high school after that, although there was overbook school for the blind, which is an approved, what's called an approved private high school. So I became an itinerant. So I went to see students in different schools. I was not their full-time teacher at all. Um, but if they needed flares or if they needed um, magnifiers, and it was a lot of consulting with the classroom teacher. They were in, I'll say, regular classes, but some of the kids were in multiply handicapped classes. So I might have brought, like, activities for them. We the vision program was so small, so we actually had money. 
um, from the state. So we could order things that would help the students in terms of their vision, in terms of sensory things. And then I also went to kids who just happened to be, let's say, in a regular fifth grade, um, who the teacher I might need to say, okay, the child sees best out of this corner of their eye. Therefore, this is, would be a good placement for their desk. They also have the um, have the the right to get up and move around the room whenever they need to to sort of help them with strategies. Also, you know, act as a link between the parents, the school, the child, to sort of see what they need. We did a lot of evaluations to see if um, students will qualify for our program. Like people used to say, oh, he's blind in one eye. Well, that doesn't happen. That doesn't mean anything to us. It does mean stuff if you're driving. But we have to go through certain legal definitions. Um, so it's really with the better eye, what's called um, your vision is what's it, 2060 or worse in the better eye with correction. So sometimes glasses don't help, which is a shock to a lot of people. They don't quite get it. Why don't you just get them a pair of glasses? Well, for some people, glasses don't help. Um, and again, it's with the better eye. There's also like a field cut description and then legally blind means something else that is 2200 or worse in the better eye with correction so mm -hmm. often you would get like people well he can see he's not really blind so to understand like the difference and it's really a legal definition between legally blind and blind is important as well and then depending on your vision you're you know might be eligible for other things from the government Right. No, absolutely. So that's what I did for many, many, many years. And um, so I tell the story about with your mom and OSC and FLC. Oh, we'll get into that in very shortly. Yes, I was completely okay. an idiot and I was absolutely wrong. I'm not hiding this. Um, okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, she got me so many things. Laptops. She got me, uh, I think one of the favorite things that you got me that really benefited me is these red notebooks with the white paper and it was really big, dark really? lines. Um, right. That helped me more than anything. I don't think I've ever even seen those ever again. But um, well, actually, we used to make them at the school. Oh, really? We get, okay. Yeah, we would get the. There were different, and that's like one of the things I would do. I would have take the different kinds of paper, and again, glare is often a big issue. Right. Um, and these were special non-glare paper, right. and we would see what works best. So there are different with sort of like college line, line paper, regular line paper. Um, to see what the student liked best. And then we had a Braillist at the school, Maxine Cook, who would make the books for us. Right. So that's how you got them. They were gotcha. pretty special. Okay, yeah, I guess they were. Yeah. Um, before we get into what you were just about to go into, um, did you have any, like, before becoming a teacher, did you have any, like, experiences with people? I mean, besides the, pol you know, the people with polio, did you, was there any experiences you had with people with either vision or, or disabilities? Um, nope, not really. Oh, I know. Before I went into that, I think in my regular education training, we had to do, um, you know, a field placement. And I was at the Widener School, which is the same money as Widener University, but this is Widener School for, it was for children with physical disabilities. Um, and I I did my one of my internships there, and 
funny that um, the per- she was not my with co- cooperating teacher. She wasn't the person who I was under. But I remember her as clear as day. She was like the most amazing teacher. She only is like a year or maybe two older than I am. And I'm friendly with her to this day. Get emails from her every day. Kathy Britannic. Um, <laughs> and she runs a group uh, called the Rolling Rebels because most of these um, people are in wheelchairs. And these are all people that graduated from the Widener School or somehow are connected. Oh, and awesome. some are in their 50s. And um, they are just, and I'd love to talk more about the Rolling Rebels, the most incredible group of people I've ever met. Um, and, you know, I just love being with them. And we meet once a month now. Of course, we've been doing Zoom every every uh, week. Right. Um, but we're beginning to meet in small groups. And she is just one of the most phenomenal people I know. Cool. That's awesome. And so are the people who are in the group. Right. Oh, that's awesome. Um, yeah. Okay. So she was referring to something a minute ago. Um, but before that, like, so when, when you became the vision itinerant for me, I, you know, you would get me some things, but you, your like personality changed towards me, like, and, and, and still in a good way. But you were more loving when you were a teacher, and now you kind of were giving more tough love, which I needed, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that then, but I needed it. Um, you know, I needed a little bit of both um, because I was very sensitive, and I was, you know, in all honesty, I was a very, you know, when I talk about I never did drugs and all that, I was just really afraid of my own shadow. So it wasn't that I wouldn't have done it. It's just I was afraid of everything, so I just said no to everything, which in a way it benefited me now. But um, So, yeah, so then I started – you know, seeing you off and on every so often, maybe once a week or whatever, and you would get me some things I needed. Um, but this is where when I said she's this little feisty Jewish lady, it started to really come out. And I was like, oh, like who's this lady? And, I, you know, you really pushed me. Um, and I remember being in seventh grade and we were in a classroom and you called me out. And, uh, I mean, if you want to tell a story, you can... I don't remember it, Dad. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, she, she basically yeah. said that, you know, I had, look, I, I honestly, I gave up on myself. A lot of teachers kind of gave up on me, too. And I, oh. I really just didn't feel any, I didn't have any need to go to any kind of good school. Um, I mean, I remember in seventh grade, there were certain um, uh, presentations and stuff. And I was so against doing that because I hated talking in front of the students that I just I just didn't show up to, uh, to school for those um, you know for that work and I just said you know I'm, I'm just gonna go to OSB because um, you know a certain teacher told me that's basically where I was gonna head anyway and I didn't have a chance so I just said okay you know and again this is where my mom said you know adults you know what they say goes and it matters and of course that was wrong but um, so then yeah she pulls me out and I already had my mind made up uh, and if a lot of people don't know, seventh grade is kind of like the barometer of, of like, you know where you're going to end up, even though eighth grade matters too, but you do a lot of your... But more- not that much, because basically by November 1st, it, unless it's a special situation, people know where they're going, because right. that's when the decisions have been made. Right, and you start yeah, doing all... Yeah, but you can't tell that to kids, because then they won't do anything in eighth grade. Right, and so you start applying, yeah. and you start, you know, you take all the most... Uh, what's that test that you take? Not the SATs, what, what is what is the... Um, 
I, it's like a state. I, I forget which one yeah, it is. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's a standardized test. Right. Yeah. It's, it's there. It's yeah, yeah. It's that version of the SATs for that. But yeah. Um. You know. And so. Uh. Yeah. And then my grades weren't the greatest. It just. I'm not even gonna try to sugarcoat it. It wasn't. I didn't put any effort in. I didn't care. I mean, I, I put effort in gym. I put effort into art class, but I didn't put effort into math and English and history. I mean, once in a while I would really apply myself to something I liked, but, um, yeah, I just didn't care. And I, I didn't, I was very low on myself at that point. Um, and so she pulls me out of class and we get into a, an argument because and again, I'm swearing at her. I'm, I'm just frustrated because I'm telling her like, I'm going to OSB. I don't want to go. And she, she's telling me that I'm, you know, her and my mom basically have, uh, joined teams against me and told me that I'm going to this high school called Franklin Learning Center, which is, you know, at the time was a really, really good high school. I don't know what it is now. Um, and they have a teacher there that can actually be very beneficial to me. And, um, and, and, and she's sent a bunch of other visually impaired students, uh, there as well. So she had like a good rapport with the school. Um, it didn't really matter about the grades. It was more about just getting me in there. Uh, and trying to get me to learn new things and, and just kind of get me out of this funk. Um, so, I mean, I know you don't remember the whole conversation, but, like, what what was it that you actually saw in me? Um, let me say that Overbrook School for the Blind is a wonderful school, as are most schools, but it has to be the right fit. And I would always talk about, like, not every school is right for every child and not every child is right for every school. Maybe what you don't know, previously I had this stuff with your mom and she did want you to go to OSC. And I had to promise her, give me six months. If he doesn't make it within six months, I will, you know, it's, it's paperwork. I will do the paperwork and it will transfer him to OSC. I also have to tell you, your mom, who I adore, you know that. Um, uh-huh. In uh, seventh grade, I think you had bear or something. It's like, what do you want to be when you grow up kind of thing, which I think in seventh grade is personally a little young, but they didn't ask me that. And you said, I don't know if you remember, you wanted to be a basketball player. Right. Yeah, yeah, Cause, and, 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 and Sorry, didn't mean to cut off. Because there actually yeah. was a project that I had with Miss Bloody that time. She was there for one year. And right. it was our English teacher. She was nice, but she, I don't think she had a real good handle of the class. And well, she was very young. Very, very yeah. young. Yeah, I mean, yeah. some people thought she was almost one of the I students. Did. Like she was yeah. super young. Anyway, um, and one of one of our projects was to do a book report, which you started to help me on. And I I did like Michael Jordan's document um, biography or whatever it was. And so I, the whole goal was, you know, you're supposed to like kind of be the character and you're supposed to come out dressed like them and do all that. And I, and I did the book report and I did all the paperwork, but I didn't show up for the presentation cause I didn't want to do it. I was too afraid to do it. Um, and so, yeah, so go back to what you were saying as far as about being a bad. Oh, player. that part I didn't know. Right. I think yeah. This is part of there. Um, and when I talked to your mom, which, which again, you know, even as I hear you and your friends speak, there's like things that you guys don't know that went on cause you were kids behind the scenes and your mom said to me I want him to be whatever he wants to be I don't want to dash his hope and I felt like okay but the chances of you being a basketball player for the NBA are pretty slim so and I would say to my own children who don't have a vision problem 
just in case that doesn't work out, let's let's think of something else. Right. Um, so again, I gave your mom so much credit, and uh, you know, I actually my very first job teaching was teaching kindergarten. Um, in the program, when the kids would talk about, you know, and they were five, when what they want to be. Well, basically, the only job that a lot of them knew was a bus driver. Well, that's okay at five. It's not okay when you're in seventh grade not to have a realistic expectation right. of what you might want to do. Right. Um, so I just, that was like another humorous thing, humorous Pam moment. Yeah. So again, when we're, you were in seventh grade and, you know, Believe me, long before you even knew about it, Jake, I was talking with your mom and we were going over the different options and I knew FLC was a really good fit. In fact, um, later on, after you, because you really led the way and proved to them that kids can make it there, even with a vision problem. Miss Gwynevin, who I would love to get in touch with, but I can't find her number anywhere, said to me, um, we don't care who you bring in, meaning any of the kids in the vision program, as long as you take care of them. And we did. And, um, you know, I remember meeting with her and discussing what photophobia meant. And she said, that's fine. He can wear a hat. It just has to be an FLC hat. I said, okay, we got a deal. So again, there's a lot of things that students don't always know that go on behind the scenes. And then we both thank God for Mrs. Johnson, who mm -hmm. is an absolute gem. And we, I knew it was going to work. I didn't know. I was hoping it was going to work. And in the beginning, it was really touch and go. For the first, what, three, four months, I didn't, I didn't know if you were going to make it. And yeah. then you just said, okay, I'm going to do it. And you got like more, and you, I want you to explain the credit system. Mm -hmm. um, more credits faster than any any other student in the school history. Right. But I think you need to explain what the credit system is because it's very unusual. Right, because every school kind of has it, but it's not on this level. And college has it too. College is probably a little more similar, but in this way, right. like, you get a credit. Basically, to pass each class, you need at least 10 credits. And there's just a certain... Um, you know, there's, there's a certain amount of work that equals up to that 10th credit or that, that first credit. And then you go on to the next, uh, you know, the next plan and the next one, you just go. And then there's, there's bonus credits. Uh, there's like extra little side projects that you can do to get, I think at the top you get like 13 credits. Um, but most people, as long as you get those 10, you don't need the, the three. Um, it's just, it helps you and it looks better on your, you know, report and all that. But overall, um, each class, so you, you would have, is it five? No, six, because you need 60 credits. So you'd have six six classes, and you needed um, 60 credits to pass every year. Um, and then to be on, like, honor roll, you needed, like, 70 or something like that. Um, so to get an extra 10 is really not that easy because, again, there's a little, bunch of those little side ones, and then there's other stuff you can get, like, uh, if you do, like, the AIDS walk, like a lot of these little, um, what were they called? Oh, Miss Johnson. Like service learning. Yeah, like service credits. That's what they were called, service credits. And you, and it was just for certain things you would do, and there's stuff that you can do for, in the school and help out and whatever. And it, um, and obviously ninth grade, I, you know, ninth grade, I end up being like most improved. I end up with like sixty five or whatever I end up. But I, when we were at, I, there was like two months left of the year, and I was at the bottom. I think I was passing Mr. Kiefer's class in science. Um, 
and I really wasn't doing well at all. Like I just did, I wasn't, I was kind of just, you know, I was when I was really into Yu-Gi-Oh cards and, you know, and, and a lot of my friends were in the same boat. Uh, and not just like Medina, but like a lot of the people that I end up becoming friends with, we were all just like sinking together. Um, so that wasn't helping anyway. But um, one of the things that I don't know who made it happen. I think it might have been Miss Johnson, but she took me and Medina out of the classes together because we had three together. Um, and I think maybe you guys did that on purpose, like as far as putting us in the same classes because you thought maybe we'd have some familiarity. We know each other. Maybe it would help. But it really didn't. Um, we got one credit together in math class, but it, it didn't really, from there, we just kind of just goofed off and didn't do much. Um, and it was at a point where I just wasn't talking to Miss Johnson um, and you know, you weren't there all the time. <clears throat> and so I, I don't know what my breaking point was, but I just remember feeling like a total loser. Like I knew I was failing um, and I'm seeing all these kids in my class like celebrate their credits and I'm just not uh and towards the end of the year it was just like a huge push to just get it all done and we got it done um literally to the last day I got my last credit on the like the last couple hours of the last day of the year in ninth grade um but yeah I mean again that was where you and Miss Johnson came in completely like I couldn't have done it without either of you because I had to stay in that mode um but it was also the first time I actually realized I had anxiety because I was now anxious, but I was anxious for credits, which is a good mm -hmm. thing, but it, it drove me crazy. It was like an addictive high in a way. <clears throat> um, but yeah, so it, it was, you know, it, it was one of those where you just, I had to push myself, but you know, I needed someone to push me as well because I would really kind of deviate from the plan and, and want to go like, no, nah, I, I can't do it. And then, you know, that's where you and Miss Johnson came into play and just constantly just stayed on me. Um, but the, the next year is when you kind of, it, it almost like you realize like you kind of did your job, which you did, and you did more than enough, but you kind of just, I, I don't know where you went in your life at that point, but then you, that's when you started sending other people like Miss Skolnick, um, to help me. Oh, I went, I went to get a, I went to social school. Okay. Yeah. And you started yeah. sending other people. I mean, you would show up from time to time. Um, but you really knew kind of, oh. I kind of molded already. And that kind of that year really kind of pushed me. Um, once I reached like junior, that was when I was kind of like on my own, uh, other than maybe that braille teacher. But, um, yeah, I mean, you, you, like I said, you just kept pushing me in and that was, that was what I needed. But again, I, most students don't get that. And that's why so many of us fail. Uh, or end up going to places like OSB. And again, OSB isn't, isn't the worst case scenario, but in some ways it is because it's, it's not the, you know, if you, if you really want to get somewhere in life and you want to push yourself and, and get better jobs and better colleges, OSB is probably not going to, it's probably not going to give you the best tools uh, and the best, um, you know, the, the best quality of work uh, to keep, you know, to teach you in life and, you know, keep you on the right track. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, I've thanked you many times, but yeah, you kept me on that track. So, um, so what, 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 um, what did you do from there as far as, you know, once you kind of stepped back a little bit from helping? Well, because I also knew Mrs. Johnson was there right? and if there was an issue or a problem, uh, you know, we knew about it. 
Um, also because I think it was really great that Mrs. Johnson, you should explain, was the resource room teacher. Right. And she had a really good post on what you needed and when to push. And I loved her saying, what? Do you remember the saying, thing? I'm going to love you until you learn. I'm going to love you so much until you learn to love yourself. Right. Absolutely. And she was always there. Um, and it was it was just great having so many vision kids in one school because here's the beginning of the school year. Here's a couple boxes of flares or here's the paper that you needed. Also, the teachers really in the school bought into um, having a child with a special need. And it was like really no big deal. Granted, I'm sure that we handpicked teachers for you. Um, but, you know, we're dealing with personality. Obviously, you don't want like a new teacher. Um, but by and large, that was the atmosphere of the school. It was not, I wouldn't say hippiest because I am of a certain age, but it didn't matter yet. Blue hair, you have red hair, nothing mattered there. Right. You know, okay. You know, um, it, you know, I remember the head of um, the student council came to me once and here's a, you know, student and said, is there anything that we can do for your kids? And I'm like, no, I mean, it wasn't like a big deal. Nothing was a big deal there because of the environment that Doc, who was the principal, set up, and Ms. Quinnivan, who really has such power in the school to run it, and the counselors and the nurses, like everybody just felt like this is the school that we want for our students. Yeah. Um, you know, even to the point like, you're not going to get a test, and who got the A plus? I'm like, I guess that math test I gave you. Um, it was more like, okay, let's see that you know the material. What can you do with it? If you needed to um, show your mastery in another way, that was okay, too. And for some kids, we needed to, and that was okay. Sort of everything was okay, um, you know, and everybody bought into it. The students there, I think, were normally, and unfortunately, I think many of your listeners might have an experience this, if you are different in any way, um, it's hard to make friends. But there it just seemed like, ah, whatever. Yeah, okay, you have a vision problem, you wear a hat whatever which is so wonderfully different than unfortunately most places are yeah yeah it was for the most part yeah i mean you have your little comments and stuff like that but uh yeah overall it wasn't if you look at it that way yeah it wasn't that bad honestly i would probably say it was a little more it was worse in oec because of you had told me that yeah which i was pretty shocked at because of the division i mean we're really basically right. on the opposite side there you know a lot you know different floors and stuff but a lot of times it was just okay the fourth grade uh, visually impaired class is here and the non-vi class is right over there um and we constantly right. would go by each other and see each other and you know there's a lot of laughing and comments and just you know that these right. are the slow classes um, and i think i explained um after maybe it was joe that you guys may not have known it but there was a difference the students in the VI classes were generally a little bit slower academically and that's why academic kids we try to push you know spur on to quote the regular class as quickly as possible um, some kids weren't ready for that and some kids in the VI classes will never be ready for it they needed much more individualized attention right. um, and a slower pace yeah, but that's the so thing. So that is why. You're, you're that is why. You go. I'm sorry. Go. Yeah, yeah. That is why there was a difference between a VI class 
and the regular classes. Oh, yeah, it was necessary. But again, there was teachers like you who just saw stuff in certain people. It's not like you, you pulled everyone out of those classes. Like you, yeah. you, you know, that one class you had, you pulled like four of us out. I mean, you had Michael Anderson, you had me, and you had Sophia, and you had Medina. Um, right. And I think that was about it. Um, from right. that specific class, um, and you you pushed them, and weirdly enough, three of us went to the same school, other than Sophia. Um, right, right. And, um, but yeah, you found stuff in in these students, and you and you, again, and, and 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 you know, they all don't work. Some of them didn't work. Some of them you did find, and, and they just you couldn't get as much out of them. But that's, <clears throat> I mean, you look at people with like addiction issues, like people who, you know, how many people relapse it it's more likely. I mean, it's like a spare, it's like maybe 15% or something small on that level to, for, you know, full recovery. Like most people just end up going back. So when you actually, you know, fix or heal people, you know, it's, it's a small percentage of people you're going to actually be able to reach and help. And like with you, right. like, yeah, like, I mean, you probably had a much higher percentage than that, than, you know, addiction, but Still, right. you, you know, yeah, there were some failures, but that's not, you know, you get us in the right, your, your goal is to just get us in a place to where we can succeed and help as best as you can. Right. And you kind of hope for the best. And for, for some of the children, even though they were your peers, they didn't have like the innate academic ability that you did. So they were never going to, it was just going to be they were just going to end up sitting in a, quote, regular class. They needed the small class setting. So it was really a matter of academic ability or potential right? than anything else. But you wouldn't know that because it's none of, quote, none of your business what somebody else can or can't do. Right. So, but that was why there was such a division of, quote, VI classes and regular classes. Right. And, you know, your job or, or what you, you did is, is to just try to get us to f- realize that we were, uh, whatever, gifted and then we actually had some intelligence and we actually could succeed because so many of us right. were just like, Ugh. and again, a lot of us came from different households and, and, and just different lifestyles. And, and some of it was just, look, you know, like, you know, we talk about me and Medina all the time. I hope I can get them on here. You know, we've had, he had a very love, a rough life and I had, a, I had to a certain degree a rough life, not as much, not mm-hmm. as far as parenting and stuff like that, I mean, at least with my mom. Um, but, you know, we, we just had a lot of bad things that happened to us uh, and a lot that I have talked about on here. And so, you know, and again, a lot of you teachers don't know that stuff, but you have to try to care and you have to try to figure out how to get past that and, and show us that, yeah, you know, you are talented and you do have gifts. You just got to apply yourself and, and that's hard because school isn't something that we look at especially at that age where we're just like oh yeah school oh i'd love to just you know read a book <laughs> like no it doesn't well, seem fun at all and a number of times i would say it was and people you've talked about philly a lot and it is some areas are rough and some schools stink but i often would feel like oh good you have a vision problem which sounds paradoxical but because we're going to pull you out of your yucky school i was thinking of another word but i won't say it Mm -hmm. and we're going to put you in a better school and we're going to give you a teacher to make sure you get the most out of life as you can so if you look at the average person maybe in a not great philadelphia public school you guys were better and some that was actually part of the decision 
um, what could that school offer? Mm-hmm. And if we didn't like the school, okay, and sometimes we would fudge it. I have to say, I don't think I'll go to jail at this point. Um, how bad your vision was. Right. To get you into a school where hopefully it would be more caring and it would better meet your needs. And there would always be a teacher who was responsible for looking out for you. Right. Um, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so what, what did you end up doing after the fact, after I graduated and all that? And, and you know, you said you started to work with CHOP. What did you do with them? Right. So um, it was actually at when we were at OEC, I had a, um, she was sort of a supervisor. And she sort of said to me, you give two services, too much service to two of your schools. And I knew what she meant. FLC was one and actually Widener, because at that point, Widener, um, the school for children with physical disabilities was my other school. Right. And basically, I didn't have a whole lot of other schools. And that's how there were about, usually about six or seven itinerant teachers. And we split up the city and because they were fine with it. And I was great with it. Um, so... I really, but I did take offense, and then she sort of backtracked. But, and it just so happened that day I was taking a class just for fun, because you can take classes just for fun when you're older. Oh, okay. At a Jewish organization, and I happened to see, and again, it's just the way it is. We have a Jewish expression called shared meant to be. Um, a brochure, and it said, get a master's in social work at Penn and a certificate in Jewish communal service at Grax, this one organization. And I felt, I said, I don't even know what a social worker is. I never met one, but it's not chemical engineering, which I knew hmm. there was no way I could do. So I said, okay, I'll try. Let me see. I'll apply. You know, I didn't make a big deal about it. I was shockingly got in. And I was really excited about it. And I, I don't know if you remember Mel. Um, I, I, I'm not really good about who's what grade or not. And she said to me, and she didn't know what a social worker was. And she said, well, that's like what you do now. Because um, I actually, I, I went to school, I think, part-time at night. But then when you had to do a practicum, it had to be during the day. And I think you guys were in a... 11th grade I can't remember I'm sorry and I sort of asked would that be okay and she's like yeah everybody the the kids I really cared about gave me their blessing to do it so I went to there um at first I thought I wanted to do adoption and foster care and then I and it was great I had a great experience I was actually at Pearl S. Fox um foundation which is outside of Philadelphia and I got to go to Korea which was amazing um, but I also knew, no, I don't really think that that's what I want. And one of my professors, this woman, Simi Trachtenberg, worked at CHOP. Um, and she said, you're going to be at CHOP. Okay. All right. And she also had a connection at Weiner. Again, in this sort of, this community is very um, supportive and in, almost insular. So I said, okay, great. And it was really hard to get into CHOP. So under her tutelage, I went to shop and I loved it. And um, I graduated from that. And I wasn't really ready to go be a social worker. I know you were you were a senior. You and Medina were seniors. Right. And and then another one of my former students, 
um, Candace, her mom actually worked at Stop because unfortunately she was at Stop so much that they they reach out to parents and they give them jobs. Um, and she called me and she said, can you come down here right now? Your job, there's a job for you. And I said, well, I can't because I'm teaching. I, I took, I knew I was going to take a year off or I thought I was before I even applied for jobs. And I said, no, cause I'm going to, I'm teaching. I'm going to work now, but can I send you my resume? I guess it was like, if you use a shop computer, like you got points or it was easier to get into the system. I'm not sure why. So I sent her my resume. She brought it to the head of the stroke program, to Dr. Rebecca Icord, who is also absolutely amazing. And so before I didn't, I'd never even got there. Um, and then um, a few days later, I met with Dr. Icord and it seemed to be a great fit. And I remember it was the day after Thanksgiving because I also had to meet with the head of social work. And we met and we talked a lot about Kansas's dog Fluffy. And um, I was offered the job, which then I said, can I wait until January? And they said, yes. So it's just how it worked out. Um, so it was a wonderful experience. Now that I'm on Facebook, I reconnected with a lot of my former students who are now in high school, or former, I should say, patients and their families. And I have to say that um, work-wise, that was the best thing I ever did. Um, one of the moms, Shannon, came to me and said, and a lot of, the most common time for kids to have stroke is when they're an infant, when they're just being born. And Shannon came to me and said, you've got to get me another family to talk to. Nobody believes my kid had a stroke because when you think about strokes, you think about people who are old and maybe lifestyles not that great. And that has absolutely nothing to do with pediatric strokes, completely different. So we started, I said, okay. And I started um, a support group and really learned the value of support. And these are people who were from no way the same at all, like different ethnic groups, different religious, different um, racial groups, different economic groups, everything. But yet they are, became such a support for each other until today are support for each other. I see them on Facebook all the time and it's been wonderful. Um, and then had, I guess I was at Penn and one of my professors said, you should apply. There's a doctoral program. And I'm like, at this point, I'm in my fifties. I'm thinking, really? Come on, I'm a little old for that. But again, I decided to take a risk. And amazingly, I was accepted. And of course, academically for me, that was like the thrill of my life. I loved the program. It was extremely diff difficult for me because I was not a writer. Because I grew up in a time where English was like fill in the blank or what's the multiple choice question. So it was horrible writing. Um, but there was a teacher, Bobby, who really, really encouraged me. And she read everything, every word of my dissertation multiple, multiple times. And Bobby Sands, Dr. Roberta Sands. And she, at one point she said, you're probably tired of hearing from me. And to be honest, I was. But I said, no, I really appreciate it. And Sophia, who you had on, became my editor, which is sort of ironic because here she was my teacher. I was her teacher and now she was my teacher. 
And um, I actually interviewed my, you can look it up online, it's there, Hearing His Story, a Qualitative Study of Fathers of Pediatric Stroke Survivors. Um, because I wanted to give the fathers a voice because so often in either hospital, I mean, it's changing, but it was like back then, either in a hospital or a school setting, they actually want to talk to the mom and not really ha- where the dad has an input. And for many families, dads are also just as important. Um, and I also looked at the idea of spirituality and how that affected, affected them and Almost every single father said, while they, you know, obviously weren't happy that their child had a stroke, it helped them reprioritize their life. Mm. And they actually were happier. They still had all the issues and the the worry and just the day-to-day, you know, getting all the therapies and financial responsibilities. But it was, they made peace with it and it was all okay. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. You kind of just tackled little, you kind of helped every, it wasn't just, you know, like at that time, I mean, you told me some of this stuff over the years, but yeah, at that time, you know, you seemed like you were just helping the eye people, but yeah, you did a lot for the disabled community in general, just as a whole. And that's the thing. This is the type of people, like, as we were talking about back before about teachers and, you know, what people get paid and, and the effort they put in, you know, that's, you know, the stuff I had trouble with the bus drivers and the you know, whatever, I mean, people, you know, of course, people have all this stuff going on with the cops and all that, but it's like, you know, a lot of these jobs, yes, maybe they should get paid more, sure, um, but, you know, I think a lot of these people see how much they can make, and they don't, they they go, well, I'm going to just give you a $30,000 effort, I'm not going to give you 40000 because you're not paying me that, but the jobs that, like, what you're doing, and, you know, cops and firemen and all, like, these are the most important jobs because you have the most impact on people and, um, you know, obviously healing and helping and just you're constantly dealing with us and, and you're the, what's molding these kids, especially in your profession with, you know, being a teacher and, and, and itinerant and all that. Like you see us and you, you know, we're a lot of us are so fragile and beaten down and, you know, life has really kicked us in the ass and now you're presented to heal us and, you know, again, regardless of what you get paid, how you act and how you, you know, implement what you do really can go a long way for someone like me or or Sophia or, you know, somebody who didn't make it. I mean, you could be the bad example of why a kid just said, screw it. Like this was my last chance and, um, and now I'm going to go this way. Uh, so yeah, like, you know, like what you do is, or what you have done in your past is, you know, super, instrumental and helpful to more than just me but if, if i can make two comments number one until you take your last breath it's never your last chance right it's important to be open to what the possibilities are out there and try different things the other thing i have to say T, I never really realized how much well maybe not for you but certainly sophia or joe i mean when i heard joe's interview with you first of all of course i was beaming with pride Hmm. But I I mean, I guess cause I just thought, like, okay, Joe, he's a bright guy. He's a wonderful personality. Everybody loves him. But then he told a story about how some girl looked at his eye and it was, like, moved or something. And I just felt, like, so badly. I never knew that. So, again, I think a lot of times, and I think a lot of times people without disabilities, 
they need to be open of like, this is what I need. I need to tell you the story. Maybe you can help me, but maybe you can't. Um, did I feel like, especially in our culture, people are so closed off to sharing. That's mm. why I think support groups are really important. But I had no idea that he felt badly about himself. Because all I see is this like wonderful, wonderful guy who is bright, who is personable, who's got the world in front of him. And I never knew he was hurting. So I do feel sadly because I never knew. Right. But if you look like, when, you know, like with our classroom, like we were all visually impaired. So like we, even me, like I was pretty comfortable in that class. Like, yes, I wasn't the greatest right. at wanting to speak in front of all the kids, but I joked around. We had a lot of fun. Um, right. And my real personality came out more so because right. we, we know there's really no judgment in that classroom. I'm sure there was some dumb stuff said and whatever, but overall we all like pretty much got along and there again, very little judgment. We all just had a good time and we, you know, really enjoyed each other. Um, but then, you know, when you split up to these non VI classes and stuff like that, that's where is a huge difference. Like we felt comfortable. We felt like we can be ourselves and, and laugh and tell our stories and stuff. And so you might not got to see some of the harshness that we got to deal with because, you know, we felt comfortable. I mean, and that's part of it. You know, you, right. you're the head of the and, class. And, so, you know, you, right. it trickles and down. And this happened, I think Joe was like in seventh or eighth grade. I mean, right, he right. had like a crush on somebody. Yeah. Right. No, um, I know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm just yeah. saying like, he's, he's in a different classroom at that point. And now he's, right. you know, now he's around people that aren't exactly like him. Um, right. and you're not there to protect them in a way like you're not, you know, like I said, it trickles down from the head of the class. You're the teacher and right. you know, your lessons and everything, how you treat everybody, you know, it, it shows how all the students should treat each other. Um, and so, yeah. But I guess I was just surprised because my view of Joe and maybe what's hard to understand, like other people's view of you can be very different than how you do yourself. Right. I just thought he was like one phenomenal guy. And I didn't realize he didn't always think that way. Although I have to say, even if you don't have a vision problem, some girl can give you a funny look. Oh, yeah. And it can be devastating, you know. So, yeah, absolutely. But, yeah. Oh, um, yeah, I'm trying to think. Is there anything else part of your journey? Uh, I mean, wh why did you get into the uh, the taking care of the children, like going over there and reading with them? And uh, what was your reasoning? What, the little kids? Yeah, yeah. Wait, what? Why, may, why did I go back to preschool? To daycare. and Yeah. Why did, why did oh, you to daycare. do that? So um, when I was in hospice, which again, I was only in for a year, not only because this way I could get to see my mother more. She was at a facility and I worked for the facility. Um, and she passed away. And I was sort of like, okay, what, what should I do with myself? And um, at that point, my synagogue, it's not my synagogue anymore, but um, and my niece was there. And her kids went to this preschool, and I thought, like, okay, let me just see if they have anything. So, um, which actually, interestingly, um, they had a, I used to bring students from the Widener School to this daycare center for their, a work experience. I said, as long as you can put vision kids on the bus, I'm okay with it. So it was great. Um, and then I wasn't working at school at that time, but for years on and off, I would work at this preschool. I ran their after school program. I would, you know, work there over the summer. I ran their summer programs for a couple of years. So I just went, I talked to the woman. I said, oh, you know, if you have anything, let me know. So I started as a sub and then, of course, it became full time. 
and I loved it. Um, and I thought I was going to die there. And um, I had it. We had a new director who I didn't appreciate, and we had another staff member who I was friendly with at one point, and she just did some stuff I so disagreed with that I just felt I could not work there anymore. And again, I felt badly because I never had a bad work experience. Um, I was taking right. Hebrew classes at the time, just for fun, and I was telling um, the teacher, Geely, and she said, wait, don't leave after class. And um, she called this woman, Devorah, and she and it again just so happened turned out um Deborah wanted to meet with me and I said okay well tell her I'll call her tomorrow um and at that point I had my great nephew with me because he didn't have school that day or something and we talked for a long time and we agreed to meet the next the following day it was a Thursday and um, I have to tell you, these people that I worked for, which was one of my absolute favorite jobs, they're orthodox. And they sort of dress in a very modest way. So I said to my nephew, Adam, come on, I got to go get a skirt. And I met with her. And I just absolutely fell in love with her. Our vision of what preschool is was completely in sync. We talked for two hours. And um, basically, that was it. And she said to me, if you had come two weeks earlier, I wouldn't have had anything. Two weeks later, I wouldn't have had anything. So I started there, and I've been there for a few years. And at this point, I'm pushing 70. And it was really, really hard um, because I love it there um, to leave. But I just felt it's time because there's other things I want to do. And I might go back. They gave me, quote, the Tom Brady Award, which I didn't even know what it meant. But evidently, he keeps coming back to play football or something. Right, right. right. Uh, and my, I can't even remember. Tuesday night, you know, we had a, I thought it was just like a dear dinner at her house. No, it was a retirement party for me. And oh, just wow, okay. so much fun and so loving and so caring. Um you know, and it, it's really, it's, I mean, it was just since yesterday, literally not even 24 hours because I left at one fifteen. It's still hard for me to think, am I going to be working again? And I do, I mean, I want to be involved with the Rolling Rebels. I mean, they are the most phenomenal group, as I said. Um, and I also actually am involved with this organization called Parkin Singers, another ph- phenomenal group. Just ironic because, number one, I don't have Parkinson's. And the other thing is, I cannot sing. I cannot carry a tune. They don't care. It's fine. Um, a very, very close friend of mine does. And I got involved with them because I used to drive her to the choir. And I've been with them for a number of years. Now her husband's retired, so he does. But just have a, a really, really good time. Maybe I would become a Braille transcriber if I had the ability to do that so that seems pretty interesting so again i do i'd love crocheting i love needlepoint i'd love to read so i'm just open to new experiences and if it happens to work out that they need somebody to work with a number of the students so be it and if not it will be okay too right no i mean that's i mean like i said i think you don't realize how much you actually impact people because you know all you and i'm not just speaking for me i've spoken to other people um, yeah. about you but uh 
you know, it, it's, and I have to say, it's really nice, even from the school that I just left. It's, uh-huh. it's really incredible. And the school that I quit literally in a day and a half, um, there was such an outpouring of support for me. And people went to the administration and they had to have a meeting and they were. So it did make me feel good. But again, not that I would want to go back there. Right. No, um, that matters. I mean, so, yeah, you impact. And I, I appreciate yeah. that. You know, I it really means even like the letters and the cards the parents send and, and all the teachers and this one woman, Jill, she's so incredibly talented. Um, they decided, okay, this is what they want to do. They made me a beautiful, beautiful um, you know, painting. And then they took each kid's and they have... Um, it's of a tree, and they put, like, each child put their fingerprint on it, and it's just gorgeous. So it really does make a difference. It really, that's what lifts your spirit. It's not really the financial. I mean, yes, that's important up to a certain point, but that's the um, other values are much, much more important. So Right. No, I mean, I mean, I mentioned you so many times on here, and I tell you outside this and off air, but yeah, I mean, you know, like I said, at that point in time, whether middle school, high school, you know, when you found me as a teacher, you know, when you were teaching me and all that, like, you know, I, I tell you, there's no way I would have gotten through school without you. Like it's, you know, Ms. Johnson played a big part as well, but without Ms. Jo- without you, I would have never met her. Um, right. And so, you know, it, it's just how much you impact people. And again, I think what you do, especially not only for the people with different disabilities, but also just you know, a lot of it is when we're young. Uh, even with the daycare stuff, because again, that's where they're the most impressionable and that's where they're the most vulnerable. Um, and if you can make an impact on them then, because there's so many kids that are just going through, you know, uh, foster care and, and just, you know, their household is just torn apart or, you know, whatever their neighbors doing drugs or something like there's stuff that's all around them that it can easily impact them in a totally negative uh, direction that, you know, people like you matter to keep us on the right track and give us good influences. And, um, but, uh, yeah, so I mean, I, you know, and then you're one of them. I mean, look, when I do this, even now, like with the podcast, you know, your feedback is actually very important for me because it makes me feel good about what I'm doing. Cause I'm so in my own head that I'm constantly just like, Oh God, I sucked and whatever else. And so that when you actually give me feedback on, especially like the episodes when I do by myself, where I'm like, all I, all I think is I'm just rambling and like, like now. Um, but you actually will give me like really good criticism, not criticism, but yeah, I mean, even some, but like in general, just really good feedback to make me feel like, okay, yeah, that's kind of what I intended and you picked up on it. So great. Um, you're also very smart. So maybe there's that too, but, um, but yeah, it keeps me going just on a, you know, just with this podcast. Cause you know, like, there's been times where I just didn't want to do it anymore. Cause I was just feeling so low about, you know, of course, you know, numbers and other stuff. And, um, and see if I could just end with, you used to drive me a little crazy. You and, the no. and a couple other kids. Yeah. Me. Yes. 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 You. And when we started this or when you started the podcast and, because I actually bought it from my support group at top. I would have the parents journal and they found that was really helpful. And when I said to you and you said, no, I don't think so, but maybe a podcast. And I thought, okay, whatever, you know, uh, technology is not my thing, but that sounds good. Uh-huh. And I just am so proud of you. I see such growth in the year of you feeling better about yourself. You're 
it's also you've come out of yourself. You're so interested in helping others. And it's just, it's just absolutely wonderful. And again, I can't be prouder of you. I appreciate it. I have one more question and we can end it. Um, okay. you know, as you know, I like to ask people like to give advice for, you know, whatever to whatever we're talking about. And for your case, like, um, is there any advice you have for anybody who, I don't know, like a young Miss Robbins or someone who's trying to get into the same field and wants to help people with disabilities or, or, you know, some sort of niche like that. Uh, yeah. Do you have any advice for, you know, the young Lois? If, right. If you have the love, that's all that matters. You have the, the desire to help others. That's all that matters. The other stuff all comes. I used to be able to say, like, when I would have a student teacher, I could meet somebody and tell them if they were going to be a good teacher or not. Right. Because you have to have the caring, you have to have the spirit. And unfortunately, um, in today's day and age, you have to be able to put up with a lot of paperwork and, you know, or computer work, I should say. But just know, really, and when you have a student like TJ and Sophia and, you know, Joe and... Medina and all the others, it really, there's no amount of money that could make up for the joy that you're going to get from your students and seeing them grow and develop. Yeah. I mean, you were, couldn't have been happier for me when I graduated high school. Um, and, and, you know, yeah, I mean, and after, I still have the picture of you and I, so I, I look so young then <laughs> and you're still like six feet taller than I am. Yeah. I'm not um, even that tall. Yeah. Yeah. On my phone. Yeah. Yeah, yep. no, but that reflects on you. I mean, Nick, you, you had a huge part in that. Like, it's just, you know, I got to take a picture and, of you and Ms. Johnson, so. Right. And you have done it great. I mean, you have developed a life for yourself. And again, it might not be the perfect life um, that you would have envisioned, but it's a good life. Yeah. And I think for everybody to be able to say, I'm, I'm having a good life is important. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, don't let anybody else define who you are. Absolutely. You define who you want to be. Absolutely. Uh, well, I thank you for this. You know, I, I have nothing but love for you. So, uh, uh, thanks, T. I feel the same way about you. you know, and I, now that I'm retired, maybe I'll come up to Williamsport and visit you and your grandma. You keep saying that. Yeah, I hope you do. You're more than welcome. Uh, bullet's laying okay. right here. He'd like to meet you. Um, okay, I'm not a real cat person, but okay, right. I'll meet Bullet. He's a good cat. <laughs> bullet, she, yeah. don't, she doesn't want to meet you, Bullet. Sorry. Um, no, 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 don't say that. <laughs> he's, he's half asleep. He don't care. Um, okay. He just wants to lay here next to me. Um, but yeah, again, thank you. And, you know, uh, like I said, I know you're probably not going to listen to this one because you don't want to hear your voice. But um, <laughs> but still, like I said, it'll come out. I know a lot of people are actually looking forward to hearing this one. So, um, oh, great. So it should be fun. And I, at some point, hopefully, I'm going to try to get Miss Johnson as well. Oh, that would be great. Yeah. That would be great. Well, thank you, T. I think this is your podcast made a lot of difference and I have loved listening um, to people with such incredible lives um, who have overcome what other people would be would consider insurmountable obstacles and they've done it and they've made a great life yeah absolutely I Uh, really appreciate you I appreciate you as well so thank you and uh, we'll obviously talk soon okay thanks T bye bye now can't find my phone people are like well you're on it but no it's it's bluetooth uh okay i actually have an interview coming right up uh i planned them so close together and didn't know how this was going to happen but 
Whew. Um, yeah, of course. I love her to death. She's an amazing person. And, um, you know, I'm so happy that turned out the way it did. I knew it would. Um, and actually her episode, this is pretty close to when her episode's coming out. Cause I knew I can get her anytime because we, we, we talk almost weekly. So, um, yeah. Uh, bullets right here. A big guy. Okay. Um, yeah, guys, I got to get on to my next interview, but I appreciate all the support and please subscribe and share uh, comment if you'd like, but just, you know, get it out there so we can get more people to hear, hear this and we can help them and, you know, just keep people just knowing that they're not alone. So that's the goal. Uh, yeah, guys, I'll see you on the next one and uh, appreciate the support. Thanks, guys. Bye.